0: Stories of the Week Are you ready for the sequel to the Panama Papers? Two Panama, two papers Or maybe Panama Papers, Paradise Drift Plus, New South Wales premieres a new premiere And where were you during the great Facebook outage of 2021? All that plus more This is News Weekly And Peter Dutton's Offended Hello and welcome to News Weekly, the podcast where I, Sammy Shah, punch the headlines in the head, weekly. Rich people love being rich news now. Sequels are always hard to create, especially when the first part was a big hit. You want to make a sequel that honours the original, but also goes into new territory. It also needs to raise the stakes to be bigger, louder, sexier. The best sequels can be like Terminator 2. I'll be back. The worst sequels can be like Terminator 3. I'm back. That's the problem facing the International Consortium of Investigative Journalists. In 2016, the ICIJ came out with a global hit, the Panama Papers. It was a sordid tale of tax evasion, illegal offshore shell companies and political corruption. It ended up with the Pakistani Prime Minister having to leave office, Iceland's Prime Minister resigning. It even had celebrity cameos like Simon Cowell, Jackie Chan and Emma Watson, who played Hermione in the Harry Potter movies. It's Leviosa. Not Sar. Wingardium Mossack Fonseca, indeed. Well now the ICIJ is back with Panama Papers Part 2, The Pandora Papers. More leaked documents, more journalists digging through them, more celebrities, Shakira, Sachin Tendulkar, Elton John, Ringo Starr, the King of Jordan, Lebanese politicians, Pakistani politicians, and a Pakistani general who may or may not be my uncle, Tony Blair, and a woman who was secretly Vladimir Putin's lover. I mean, come on, they've gone too big, it's just too much. And the ICIJ released the sequel in a crowded market classic mistake. We've already got COVID, vaccinations, climate change, nuclear submarines, Facebook. Now on top of that, I have to find out that the reason I can't afford to buy a house isn't because I keep spending my life savings on avocados, but because of some Chinese billionaire? The $442 million sale of Sydney's Hilton Hotel in 2015 is one transaction which has been brought into focus. There are at least six layers of companies, funds, and trusts registered in Singapore, the British Virgin Islands, and the Caymans, which sit between the business listed as buying the five-star hotel and billionaire Chinese steel magnate Du Xionghua, who ultimately owns it. This is bullshit. I was going to buy the Hilton Hotel with my Patreon subscriber money, which you can add to by joining my Patreon at patreoncom Shah, That's S A M I S H A H. All of it will be put in an offshore tax haven. So just how how much money are we talking about here? The OECD estimates more than 11 trillion US dollars. That's 11,000 billion dollars. 10% of the world's economy is held in offshore tax havens. That's what the next ICIJ project should just be. Just a photograph of 11 trillion dollars with Eat the Rich written next to it. I'd watch that. Investigating corruption is making it harder for corrupt politicians to practice their corruption news now. It started with Sydney's popular Premier Gladys Berejiklian announcing she's stepping down because of a corruption investigation last Friday. Sydney sider's reacted to that resignation totally normally by building a shrine of flowers outside her office as if she'd been killed in a car crash with an Egyptian lover. Now, not everyone's a fan of corruption investigations. Here's Deputy Prime Minister Barnaby Joyce, who spent $657,000 over three weeks as driving envoy, claimed $5,500 in expenses as overseas study when taking a private jet to attend a wedding in India, talking about the ICAC investigation. It's a little bit Spanish Inquisitionist. He is of course referring to that time when the hundreds of thousands of Spanish, Jews, Muslims and Protestants were forcibly converted, expelled from Spain or executed because they might have approved grants for their ex-boyfriends. Never missing an opportunity to confuse people as to which party he belongs to, here's apparent Labour MP Joel Fitzgibbon, who in the past has been accused of receiving around $150,000 from a Chinese businesswoman who gave it to him with the intention of cultivating him as an agent of political and business influence according to her own private records. I think ICAC has been a failed experiment. Assistant Minister for Women Amanda Stoker has also taken time away from using a fake Facebook account to post comments on her own Facebook page to say Its broad sweeping powers of inquisition and compulsion have seen lives destroyed over trivialities. And here's Prime Minister Scott Morrison, who as Immigration Minister oversaw the indefinite imprisoning of hundreds of asylum seekers prior to the assessment of their refugee applications. You've got to have processes that assume people are innocent before uh, they They're thought to be guilty. The thing is, no-one is presuming Gladys Berejiklian is guilty. ICAC certainly is not. The resignation, in fact, was her idea. As the leader of the New South Wales government, I have expected the highest standards of myself and my colleagues. I have made it clear on numerous occasions that if any of my ministers were the subject of allegations being investigated by an integrity agency or law enforcement then he or she should stand aside during the course of the investigation until their name was cleared. The reason for my stance was not to have made any presumptions as to their conduct, but rather to maintain the integrity of the public office which, has held, which that person has held whilst an investigation was completed. That same standard must always apply to me also as the Premier. This whole issue has, however, raised a question about whether or not ICAC is actually destroying faith in politicians instead of restoring it. Here's Walid Ali on the project asking that very question. One of the interesting elements of this is that ICAC's there really, or any version of this, is there to give the public confidence in politicians and in the political system. Is there a danger though that it can do the opposite and that ICAC may have done that by, you know, getting rid of premiers that are widely respected, seen as competent? Uh, and people who have been of integrity, seeing a Premier in New South Wales disappear over a bottle of wine, that actually what it does is it erodes confidence in the political system unnecessarily accountability's job isn't to increase confidence. It's to make sure there's accountability. This isn't a blasphemy law where you aren't allowed to ask basic questions of a religion because it doesn't really hold up to scrutiny very well. And just because someone's popular shouldn't make them immune from accountability. That's how populism starts. That's how corruption increases. Take it from someone from a developing nation where populism and corruption are endemic. Holding people to account is a good thing. Otherwise, you end up with a government where no one ever gets punished for blatantly obvious acts of corruption, self-interest, and nepotism. And you end up with, well, people like Barnaby Joyce, Scott Morrison, Joel Fitzgibbon, and Amanda Stoker. And no one really wants that. Gladys Berejiklian's resignation means New South Wales needed a new premier. Someone who is free of controversy, can unite a fractured state and be a figure of leadership and security. And so, in keeping with the long-standing tradition of electing premiers with difficult last names to spell, New South Wales welcomes Dominic Perrottet. It has been a meteoric rise. Premier Perrottet. At 39, he's anti-abortion, anti-same-sex marriage, even backing Israel Falau's right to post anti-gay statements. There have been controversies, the I care insurance scheme scandal, 50,000 injured workers underpaid $80 million. Dominic Perrottet, whose name sounds like a Panamanian offshore tax haven, has come out swinging, announcing major changes to New South Wales' roadmap out of lockdown. Amendments include 10 people allowed to visit homes up from 5, 30 people can gather outdoors up from 20, 100 people are allowed at weddings and funerals up from 50. It's a change to the health advice that isn't supported by the health officials, but I'm sure that'll be okay. Nothing bad has ever come out of New South Wales ignoring health advice when it comes to lockdown. A lockdown which is now lifting. Meanwhile, unrelatedly, Victoria has had 1,838 new cases today and five more deaths. Peter Dutton is a sensitive soul news now. A federal court hearing began on Wednesday for a defamation case brought by Defence Minister Peter Dutton against refugee advocate Shane Bazzi. Dutton sued Bazzi last year for a tweet which said Peter Dutton is a rape apologist. The minister, who previously alleged refugee women in Nauru who said they'd been raped were, quote, trying it on as a ploy to escape to Australia, and who knew about the alleged rape of Brittany Higgins in Parliament and chose not to inform the Prime Minister, has said that Shane Bazzy's characterization of him went against his beliefs and he was hurt and offended by it. When asked if his defamation lawsuit is a stifling of free speech, the minister, who has in the past said illiterate and innumerate refugees, would simultaneously take Australian jobs while languishing on the dole and using free health services provided by Medicare, suggested the Fraser government made a mistake by resettling Lebanese refugees, cancelled the visa of Palestinian activist Basem Tamimi, called journalist Samantha Maiden a, quote, mad fucking witch in a text message he accidentally sent to her, and once tweeted, quote, you dirty lefties are too easy said he doesn't believe this is a freedom of speech issue. The court case between Shane Bazi, a refugee rights activist, and Defence Minister Peter Dutton, who once claimed his election challenger Ali France, who lost her leg protecting her children in a car accident, was, quote, using her disability as an excuse, is continuing. <music> Click like and subscribe news now. It turns out Facebook doesn't really care about you only about making more money. This shocking revelation about the social media giant that's previously been accused of promoting Brexit, the rise of the far right, and turning your mother into an anti-vaxxer came from former Facebook data scientist Frances Hogan. Speaking to Congress, she said, I'm here today because I believe Facebook's products harm children, stoke division, and weaken our democracy. Yes, but you can make the same claim about the Wiggles. Red Wiggle? Clearly a communist wiggle. Besides, I just got an entire new chest of drawers for 20 bucks on Facebook Marketplace and that's totally worth the end of our civilization as we know it. Miss Hogan also said, The company's leadership knows how to make Facebook and Instagram safer but won't make the necessary changes because they have put their astronomical profits before people. Facebook, which was valued as high as $1 trillion in June of this year, has denied the claim. The day after the allegations were made, Facebook suffered an outage so severe the entire site was offline for nearly six hours. The shutdown was so bad, it even affected Instagram and WhatsApp, causing what experts have described as a blessed relief. With nothing to distract them with for several hours, billions of people around the world were forced to contemplate their own existence, while questioning how much of their lives and well-being they had surrendered to an app that was profiting off their misery and suffering. Then Facebook restored the app and we all went back to hating our bodies and reading your uncle's latest conspiracy theory on the family WhatsApp group. That's all from News Weekly this week My name is Sami Shah If you like the podcast Please tell your friends You can also support me On patreon.com Slash Shah That's S-A-M-I-S-H-A-H Where you can find A text version Of this News Weekly episode And all previous episodes That you can get Directly to your email Along with recipes Book recommendations Movie and TV jargon Short stories And novel excerpts That I've written And a whole lot of other stuff Plus a community of people That are really really Enjoying being a part of the news weekly family or otherwise i'll be right back here next week with news weekly the podcast that punches the news in the head weekly